0: Good morning welcome to this edition of Advice Worth Keeping, KPMG's podcast series where we interview firm executives and thought leaders, as well as third-party industry luminaries and experts on important global business trends, topics, and leading practices. My name is Stan Lepique, and I lead global research for KPMG's Management Consulting Services Group. And I'm pleased to have with us here today two members of the U.S. firm, both part of the Shared Services and Outsourcing Advisory Practice. First, we have a tool Atul Shaheed. Atul is a director in the SSOA practice, and he's joined by his colleague Jason Miller, who's a senior advisor within that same SSOA group. So Atul and Jason, thanks for joining us here today on Advice Worth Keeping. Thank you for having us, Dan. Nice to be here. Great. So we have an interesting topic today, very forward-looking, and we're going to be talking about the boundaryless workforce. And in some respects, some of the things we're talking about have been around for a long time in the context of contingent labor, for example, which is a piece of the boundaryless workforce. But we've seen a lot of changes in the market recently. Some of it goes under the moniker of the gig economy. But in general, we're seeing more individuals coming into organizations in a non-permanent role. And it really offers the organization great flexibility, although there are certain challenges with this as well, both from the standpoint of the employer and the employee. But what we're also seeing is that it can be a great alternative or complement to things such as IT and business process outsourcing. So a great topic and very timely in the market today. Maybe to start out with the tool, what is Boundaryless
1: Workforce and what's different today than perhaps may have been the case, say, five years ago? Before we get into Boundaryless Contention Workforce, let's quickly touch upon what's out there. Three prevalent service delivery models today. The first one, shared services. This is where a company places certain functions or group of functions into a captive center, which is either near-shore or offshore, and this captive center in turn provides services to the entire company, potentially across BUs and geographies. Second is outsourcing. Typical outsourcing relationships solve for the same like shared services, but this time it's a third-party organization providing you the services instead of an internal captive shared services entity. And last, intelligent automation, which is catching up a lot of steam, This is what we also call zero-show model, wherein you automate what can be automated and only then look at other service delivery options. With all this, if you think of it, there's still a gap. What if you want support for project-based or seasonal work, wherein you don't want, say, a fiber commitment with an outsourcer or even hire a full-time employee in a shared services? What examples are there? Customer support during seasonal spikes or assistant with erp implementation or a certain application development project for all of these you traditionally looked for contingent workforce pool in the local market but there was a compromise in terms of cost and more importantly in terms of skill set here is where boundaryless contingent workforce steps in today with the prevalent solution in the space you have access to amazing talent in a matter of days and at a fraction of a cost more importantly if you're thinking this sounds like a point of solution think again Recent research points to one in two companies today are using contingent labor, and 90% of hiring managers are more satisfied with contingent workforce vis-a-vis traditional workforce. So lastly, while this model is prevalent in project-based or seasonal work today, as the industry is maturing, we are seeing its prevalence in more annuity-based study state work. I know we are discussing a case study which talks about it in a bit then, but just a thumb rule for, for our listeners. Any work which can be done virtually can potentially be done to this model so it sounds
0: like a great model to enable organizational flexibility and as we all know and as our listeners know that's becoming increasingly important in the world today so tool I think you gave some great examples in terms of the ups and downs of workforce needs and that's only going to become more so going forward but maybe to get a bit more tactical for Jason how does this work for example what are some of the prevalent platforms out there to support this type of employee model it's actually very simple Stan and
2: works somewhat like a virtual job board that you can either post to seek or seek out profiles that match your requirements. So let's take Upwork's platform, the largest and leading platform in the space. As a client logging in, if you need, say, a specialist in international tax or foreign acquisition in your target country, you can simply search and contact profiles that match your need on the platform. You'll collaborate and discuss the project, negotiate a fixed fee or hourly price, and contract out the work. The freelancer gets paid upon completion of the project. For larger engagements, some of the platforms offer an enterprise-like managed service platform where you'll pay a fixed monthly fee and you'll be assigned a project manager or a project coordinator that works for on your behalf and locates resources on the platform and performs the work full service. So Upwork's just one of these platforms. There are other platforms that specialize in specific areas or criteria. For example, Gigster is more technology-focused, while there's platforms like TopTool that has a rigorous screening process where only 3% of applicants are selected. So it really just matters what you're looking for, and
0: you could actually benefit by looking at multiple platforms. Jason, the tool mentioned a couple examples of where this model could be employed within an organization. But for firms that are considering this type of alternative service delivery model, are there processes and functions that are most suited for Are there ones where perhaps it, it's not necessarily the best model? So for I'm looking at the width and breadth of the activities performed in my organization from a process and function standpoint, are there certain places I should prioritize this model, certain places where maybe I deprioritize it? Yes, absolutely. So traditionally,
2: this model focused on software development and application development. In fact, as of October 2017, nearly 50% of the contingent labor platform market is still focused on this area. There was and still is a high need for these skills. However, there's a limited access to talent domestically, and the prices are high. The service that demand these platforms opened up a global market and allowed companies and individuals to hire at a significantly reduced rate and without the commitment of full-time employees. Now that we've seen this model proven out in areas like software development, we're starting to see more back-office functions following suit, scaling customer support functions, finance and accounting functions, typically they're supported by a smaller, more strategic development team or domestic team. Some processes that might not work or strategic in nature, need a lot of coordination between teams, and so the freelancer might not have the knowledge or the inner workings of the company or specific project to take on that portion of the project. Anything highly secure in nature, cyber, anything that needs a lot of access to systems might not be the best fit at the moment, but a lot of these platforms are making strides in these areas, offering VPN services, secure connections, virtual machines
0: and platforms to actually gain access as well. And it's coming tool, clearly boundaryless contingent labor, as you and Jason have, have described, and it sounds pretty compelling, both from an access skills standpoint, but also a flexibility standpoint. Given that's the case, why aren't more organizations utilizing this model? You mentioned that one in two firms use contingent labor. In that respect, there's sort of the legacy version of contingent labor where you go to a local temp agency and get someone versus the model that you're describing and the platforms that you're describing. So why aren't more organizations using this today? Is it just lack of awareness? Are there other reasons? Risk aversion? So why aren't all firms using this? And for firms that aren't, what should they be thinking about to try to bring this in-house and take advantage of the opportunity?
1: It's very important to set a story straight on this. So there are broadly three key areas where there might be some unfounded perceptions. And this is what we see that the key three things which bubble up for us. The first one is administration and setup. The concern we hear is, how would you go about locating talent, vetting talent, and setting up payments, with all the administrative stuff which goes on managed talent coming in? Honestly, I can understand why this was a concern potentially a few years ago, when this solution was in its infancy. But today, major platforms, some of the ones which Jason just mentioned, in this space, remedy this effectively by aligning account managers to take on this administrative task, and allowing companies to focus on what really matters, which is seamless transfer of a process work. Once they better understand what really goes into what the, these platforms and how their people engaging with us, that will help them clarify this out. Second one is onboarding. The question here comes: How would you go about onboarding a remote worker pool and bring them up to speed on the policies and procedures? Similarly, in the previous point, the contingent platforms have built in robust, easy-to-use onboarding tools to aid with this. When new companies become clients of these platforms, you upload your policies, procedures, and we work together to really create this robust repository to make it available. Mm-hmm. Lastly is job quality. This one is an interesting one. Think of it. Considering freelancer workers are not bound by outsourcing contracts, how do you ensure work quality? While this sounds like a genuine problem on the face of it, you need to peel the onion a little to get to the real story. First and foremost, contingent workforce platforms actually provide greater transparency than almost any other service delivery model. For example, you know at any point in time how many jobs the freelancers perform in a specific area, also how previous companies rated his work. Try getting this for any other service delivery model. Second one, companies truly understand what they're getting into when they hire the freelancer. They don't have to rely on the words of a hiring firm or an outsourcing relationship manager. They know who they've gotten on. And lastly, freelancers are publicly rated. It is in their best interest to do a great job as it directly affects how much work they'll get going forward and what price they can command in the market.
0: Yeah, I don't think organizations should underestimate the importance of those tools. Having myself worked at a firm by the name of Elance, which is one of the very early freelance platform, a common complaint we heard was the traditional use of contingent labor was the inability to address exactly what you said. I recall talking to one executive who said that they had got rid of a temp labor person for basically not performing, and the next day saw him in the elevator working on the floor below because there was just very little visibility in terms of both the job quality effort, but also keeping track of who is in the organization from these third-party firms. So I think these tools are extremely important to allow you to take advantage of the opportunities that are out
1: there. This also goes back to the point we had earlier, awareness piece. I think while I mentioned that most companies today are considering this, but you're right. A lot of the IT divisions have considered this a lot, but other functions are just catching up to it. I think that the point you raised earlier is an important one, and potentially as things are catching up, different functions are also utilizing this now.
0: So, Jason, maybe if you could share a couple of client case studies where organizations have adopted this model and for the successes and maybe what were some of the challenges. We've mentioned this one in the
2: white paper, but I think it's a good example of how companies are applying contingent labor platforms to scale. So, an online service company that matches customers with local professionals was receiving over 5 million requests a year. Too many of these requests for their 230-person operation to handle so the company actually contracted with Upwork Enterprise to divert their live chat requests to over 130 freelancers in the Philippines. Now, after initial test pilots, they were so successful that they were pretty much indistinguishable between the domestic agents, garnering a 92% customer satisfaction score, but also at one-fifth of the cost of their counterparts. This is just one example, but companies are doing multiple projects with freelancers that we can gladly go over. It works for large-scale operations like this or very small-scale operations if you need one or two people to do a specific project. That's what makes this so interesting is the wide breadth of solutions you can offer. You don't have to be a big outsourcer to look at this work. This work can be contracted to many different engagements at many
0: different sizes. Okay, so to wrap up a tool, for organizations that are considering alternative service delivery models such as the boundaryless contingent workforce, what are a few suggestions you have for them? So for our listeners, what are some of the things they should be considering or looking at as part of adopting and taking advantage of this model?
1: So a couple of things which come to mind. One, boundaryless contingent workforce is here to stay. More than 50% of major corporations in the U.S. have started using it and you will only see more usage and additional use cases for this in times to come. Hence, when reviewing alternative service delivery models, look at what roles or activities could potentially be delivered through this model when finalizing your overall stack. Second, I would suggest companies to start thinking through the life cycle of the boundaryless contingent workforce, particularly focusing on, from an HR perspective, review the overall life cycle of a contingent workforce and ensure you understand all the requirements, interaction points, and the controls which need to be put in place for effectively managing this remote contingent workforce. From the IT perspective, understand the access which needs to be provided to ensure the right amount of system access to enable efficient delivery, but with the right firewall in place to not allow any misuse. So this is what I think then, which actually enables people to start kickstart this and start thinking through some of this contingent workforce service delivery model. Okay, some
0: very good points and I think that really highlights the difference between the legacy model of just calling a temp agency, bringing someone in and hoping for the best versus taking a much more structured approach both from the standpoint of administration, onboarding and monitoring job quality. But I think that's very important about thinking through the life cycle. The tool, Jason, thanks very much today. I think this is a very important model for our listeners if they haven't already adopted to move forward on. So thanks for your time today. And for our listeners out there, we did reference a white paper. So for those of you that accessed this podcast from the Advice Worth Keeping website, there's a link out to the white paper Jason and Atul did. is named Ready for a Boundaryless Workforce. For those of you that access this podcast via iTunes, just hop over to the Advice Worth Keeping site and you can get a link to that. But again, Jason and the tool, thanks for your time. Great stuff. And you can find the links to the items we referenced in the show today below the podcast. If you're online, of course. The URL for that is kpmg.com slash us slash podcast. That's a wrap. Thanks for your participation.